podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. And we can just stick with this as a topic, the depth along the offensive line. You just mentioned it. Titus Howard now out with a hand injury of some sort. Supposedly he's in a cast. D'Amico Ryan said today at his press conference following practice that Titus Howard would be out for quote a little for a while um this I will tell you this John at practice on Saturday when the O-line and the D-line were working out down at the far end of the field where everybody who was there to watch with you know that was the end of the field we couldn't really see very well but O-line and D-line are working against each other down away from us right in front of us is where all the Skill guys were going against each other, you know, on the offensive side and the linebackers and, and secondary on the defensive side. Player goes down up for the offensive line, way down at the other end of the field. We couldn't see who it was for a while, for a good five minutes or so. We didn't know who was down. And I will just tell you, the pit in my stomach that I got, that it could be one of the starters on the offensive line, I think is kind of an indicator as to just how little depth there is on the offensive line. I, I think there's, I think as far as position groups go, there's probably no bigger drop off on the Texans from the starting unit to the backups. And I'll even include quarterback there. Like, I think there's a smaller drop off from CJ Stroud to Davis Mills than there is from across the offensive line, O line one to whoever the backups are on the O line. This is not a position group, John, that is very deep at all for the Texans right now. Probably well. First of all, I'm guessing Titus Howard has a broken hand, and he's probably had surgery. And uh, but that's good. You don't want it to be his knee. You don't want it to be one of his wheels, because he can play with a club when he's able to come back, and he doesn't need to play in preseason. And um, you don't want him to be out during regular season, of course. Right. But Charlie Heck, their third tackle, he's out. He's on physically unable to perform. He had a knee. He had knee surgery, but watching him out there, he's not wearing a brace. He's not wearing anything. He just walks around, and uh, he is definitely their third tackle. So they don't. They they're looking at a fourth tackle. Austin Daculus, a rookie last year, has been running second team at right tackle. So I'm assuming he's going to start in the center. Juice Scruggs, who was backup to Quisenberry, he's now he's the starter since Quisenberry's out, I'm guessing he will definitely start and get He needs a lot of playing time. Kenyon Green, their left guard, 15th pick last year, he's coming off injuries. He's looked good, so they need him to play some. But we're going to see a lot of those backups. And, hey, that's up to Davis Mills and Case Keenum to deal with those guys. Well, and George Fant was getting a lot of run with the first team today too. He's number 77, who they just signed a week ago. He's a veteran, and they signed two tackles. The other one got hurt. I don't even know his name. Scaife. So was, well, think, that's who, when I was saying, you know, that's that's who ended up getting hurt in that incident that I was talking about at practice. Yeah. Fortunately, I say fortunately, it wasn't one of the guys who start. <laughs> like it's if, if DJ Scaife's family listens to this podcast, they're shaking their fist at their at their phone right now. Like, hey, that's my son. Um, but yeah, like it. That's always a dicey thing about football, John. Like, phew, at least it's not that guy as they peel the guy off the ground and take him out on a stretcher. Um, so, yeah, it, but uh, not not great depth on the O-line right now. No, and they, but they got a long time to go before the regular season, and hopefully Titus will be able to come back and play with a club on his hand and because uh, he's better than everything else they got one-handed. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's it's an issue. I'm guessing Nick Casario will keep running those guys in and out like he does at most positions. Yeah. Um. Anybody in particular, John, on either side of the ball, you're excited about watching in on Thursday against New England? Other than other than the obvious ones, Stroud on offense, Will Anderson on defense. Are there any other guys, maybe young guys, who you're most looking oh, forward? Oh yeah. Okay, give it to me. Yeah, I'm writing a column about on Tuesday. Their most exciting rookie, their best receiver so far, Tank Dell. 5'8", 165, third-round pick, University of Houston. Tank has been outstanding. Can't wait to see him on the field. He'll play with the backups. Also, I want to see him as a punt returner. They're using a lot of punt returners. I guess he's got to prove to them he can catch the ball. He catches it sometimes where it hits his pads or hits his right shoulder, and they want him catching it in his hands. He'll get a chance to do that. Mark Dominic, former Buccaneers general manager, was at practice on Monday with uh, NFL Network and uh, Sirius Radio, NFL Radio. And I was talking to him. He was looking at Tank, and he said, he's got, for a guy his size, 5'8", 165, he's got the quick twitch you want, and he's got the kind of butt you want in a guy that size. In other words, his butt's a good size for a guy that weighs only 165. And uh, so Mark was really impressed watching his quickness and everything. He made a great catch on the sideline. Can't wait to see him and Xavier Hutchinson looking for a backup tight end to Dalton Schultz to step up since they've had his injury issues there. And defense, can't wait to see defensive linemen come in. he got a lot of veterans. are going to play a lot of rookies and second-year guys. And don't know how much we're going to see the DBs. Henry Toa Toa. Want to see him a lot at linebacker. They played him inside. They played him outside. And uh, so those are the ones that I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, rookie class looks good. John, I saw you over there talking to Mark Dominic. And as I looked over there, uh, you were on the far side of the field from where I was. And I said, boy, I wonder what those two were talking about. And I'll admit, I had a short list of things I thought you might be talking about. Tank Dell's butt did not make my list. But apparently, <laughs> that's what you were talking about over there was Tank Dell's butt, huh? That, that and all our good old days at uh, Tampa Bay when I was covering the NFL and Tony Dernsey turned around that franchise, and it was the hottest story in the NFL. I covered a lot of games and practices and did features and met all their people at that time including Mark Dominic, who worked his way up to being a general manager. John, was that um, – where, where do you stack rank that part of your career among other little eras within the, you know, five decades that you've been covering the league, the era where there was no football team in Houston, so you basically just got to spin the wheel every week and pick a place to go? Went anywhere I wanted, wrote anything I wanted to write, as much as I wanted to write, spent any amount of money I wanted to spend, and I did it for eight years. I didn't cover the Texans the first three years because I knew they were going to be bad. And then they asked me to do it one year, and I could go back to the NFL. And then the bottom dropped out of the media business, and so I stayed on the Texans. Were you ever worried, John, um, when the Oilers announced they were leaving that you'd have to go somewhere else to do your no, thing? Uh -uh. We covered the heck out of the NFL. We had two open pages every Monday on NFL, and I would send those paper sports sections to the NFL I'd send it to Paul Tagliabue, Jill Brown, Greg Aiello, and some PR guys. Said the Oilers may be gone, but the NFL is still alive and kicking at the Houston Chronicle. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, Tagliabue I, told me one time. He said, "Man, you don't need to keep sending me those." 
I said, uh, well, thank you for looking at them. Were you sending them so you could let them know, like, hey, when another uh, expansion team rolls around? Letting them know. We didn't all of a sudden quit writing about the NFL because it was such a football city, and I wanted them to know what the Chronicle was doing. Did you go to training camps those years where there oh, were no yeah. orders? Which no, did you go to? Did you go to? I went everywhere. Calls? Okay, everywhere. Truthfully, yeah. When I was covering the NFL, I went to the cities I like to go to. Thank goodness. The Patriots got good. The Buccaneers got good. I love Green Bay, but I wouldn't want to have to go up there. Thank God the Lions didn't get good <laughs> or Philadelphia. So it worked out really well for travel. And in training camp, if I could go up north where it might be a little cooler, that's, I took advantage of that. That's what I, that's my question. You know that's where I was going with I, that. Yeah. I did 610 mornings, and I was in uh, Rochester. And Greg Williams, former Oiler coach, was head coach there. So I went up to spend a day with him, spent a night, and I called in 610. I'm John Granado and uh, then uh, Lance Zarline. I don't know whatever happened to John Granado. Yeah, whatever happened to those guys. I know Lance went to the NFL uh, Network, NFL.com, but Granado just dropped off the face of the earth. And I called him and I said, guys, I need a sweater. I said, will y'all send me a sweater and basically it was Two words, and the second one ended with you. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I, I, from what I from what I remember about John Granado, yes, he uh, he, uh, he he was not afraid to use the potty mouth. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I don't know what ever happened to him. He's a good guy. No, no, no.